Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Founded in 1958, the Federal Aviation Association, or FAA, is the nation's largest transportation agency, overseeing all aspects of civil aviation. Due to the ever-changing needs of air travel, the association is required to reauthorize its authorities and spending on a regular basis. With current congressional authorization ending on September 30th, a split government faces the daunting task of fitting their competing agendas into a new bill. Joined by three veterans of the FAA reauthorization process, our team will talk about the policy background reauthorization negotiations are taking part against, the policymakers involved in these discussions, the areas of compromise and disagreement, as well as the possible outcomes of a new bill. Welcome to another Brownstein podcast. We're excited to bring you a little bit of information about the FAA reauthorization bill. This is like deja vu. It comes up off and on. Last time was 2018 that it was reauthorized. So it is due to have uh, discussion and maybe some amendments and new changes. And there's a lot has happened in Congress. We have a split Congress, a Democratic president, new members of the committees that uh, deal with the FAA reauthorization. And today I'm joined with two of my colleagues that are well-versed in the area of transportation and FAA. First, let me introduce Jeff Burr. He's a policy director, former chief of staff to the Department of Transportation under Secretary Elaine Chow. Uh, I know him well enough to know he leverages his senior level executive branch experience to drive really incredible outcomes for Brownstein clients on issues related to transportation, infrastructure, labor, and employment. We're also joined by Kate Gonzalez, policy advisor. She served as a legislative aide in the House uh, with uh, Representative Cinema from Arizona and moved with her to the Senate, where she served as a policy advisor handling space, science, agriculture, energy, environment, and natural resources portfolio. He was also the office liaison with the Senate's Commerce Committee, where all the action happens on the FAA bill, so she has a depth of knowledge in this area, and managed the Senate's role as ranking member of the Commerce Subcommittee on Aviation and Space. Uh, This is Mark Baggage. I'm a former member of the United States Senate. I'm a strategic consultant for Brownstein, and I served in the Senate from 2009 to 2015 and served as mayor of Anchorage, Alaska. I also served on the Commerce Committee, and so we all come with you with uh, a depth of knowledge. We've been subjected to good, bad, or indifferent uh, to FAA reauthorizations before, so we, we know the inner workings of how it all happens. And from the Brownstein team, we're just excited to be able to give you a little politics on it, but also some policy. So here we are, and I'll start maybe with you, Jeff. Uh, here we are, a uh, new, maybe possible, maybe not, reauthorization bill. We have some politics going on. It hasn't passed in, or last time was 2018. Give me your thoughts and kind of overview. Where are we? And the clock is a ticking, as they say in Congress. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the real big ticket items they want to try to get done this year in a year where people aren't particularly optimistic about a lot of uh, legislation getting across the finish line. Uh, It's not going to be easy by any means, but there's a lot of people that are pretty dedicated to trying to get this done. You've got a new House Transportation Infrastructure Committee chairman in Sam Graves, who is a real aviation nut. He's a pilot and has about more than a half dozen different licenses on different types of aircraft. And so 
this is a kind of a passion project for him. He wants to get this done. And uh, the committees on both sides of the hill are, are really committed to it. It's just a big, complicated bill with lots of different interests. You know, there, there's political dynamics that are uh, at play here. There's some other things that we see on a lot of other issues that are at play. Like there's a big, big versus small, urban versus rural uh, set of issues here. You've got a House Republican conference that's in charge and wants to get things done and, and, and has uh, a lot of its member coming members coming from rural states. And, you know, the, the, the interests in the aviation space uh, from rural to the big airports are, are very different. And so you get fights over funding and thing, things like that. But, you know, it, it's a it's a big bill. that A lot of people want to get done. Aviation issues are really high profile. And I think we see them in the news almost every single day. Uh, people want to make sure that uh, airports and airlines are safe um, and that they also remain affordable. And sometimes those things can be at odds. And so they'll be looking at a lot of those things as they look at the FAA bill. Uh, on the funding and safety side, they'll be looking at things like drones and commercial space. And so there's just a, a lot of kind of exciting, interesting aspects of these bills. They are complex, uh, but I think there's a lot of hope that we can get one done this year. Well, Jeff, let me move to Kate. You know, here's the interesting part. I know Kate and I, you know, I served as a senator. Kate worked as a staffer for a House member and a Senate member. So we had to work on the opposite side of you when you worked in administration to try to get you to do what we want you to do. And so for our Brownstein clients, they get a great combination of uh, experience here. But Kate, you know, you've seen it from the nitty gritty behind the scenes kind of legislative piece. And tell me kind of what, what, you know, your overview of how this moves or doesn't move. And it's always the question right in Congress. Definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, you touched on this in the beginning. We have a split Congress. Um, it's going to be a different ball game than we had the last two years, and especially with an administration that's trying to push priorities through ahead of a presidential election as well. Uh, the politics are going to be pretty big. Um, specifically on the Commerce Committee, we have a new a new ranking member and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, um, and he'll be navigating this space along uh Chairwoman uh, Maria Cantwell. So they sh- they have a lot of work ahead. Um, and then beyond that, on the subcommittee of aviation, we have a new chairwoman and Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. And then, um, you know, D- John Thune, who's been around the committee from South Dakota for a while. So I think the Senate is probably a little bit ahead of the House, at least in what priorities have been percolating for the last five years. They've navigated uh, the pandemic, helping airlines and and other industries across the aviation sphere, uh, getting them through a a rough chunk of time. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And we'll see senators pushing not only their policy priorities, but it's an opportunity for states to gain more funding, too. And we saw some of that um, in the Inflation Reduction Act and the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed last Congress. But I don't think there's any doubt that members on both sides of the aisle and both chambers will be chomping at the bit to boost their state's economy and um, somewhat of an uncertain economic time, and especially in the transportation industry, as we're seeing, you know, different technologies emerge, but also air travel return to uh, to a to a record high at some point sooner than later, as I think we're all experiencing uh, those ticket prices. Ticking <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting market right now. You know, airline profits are pretty good. Uh, there's some mergers in the mill, you know, transportation issues. There's higher than expected uh, transportation or airline passengers than people I think really thought about uh, that they thought would be a slower drag in the sense of from coming out of COVID. 
And when you think of this bill, I know when I was on the Commerce Committee, it was, it was as you said, Jeff, a complicated bill, but created enormous opportunities if you kept focus on it. And I guess I'd look to either one of you to respond to this question. That is, if you're, if you're, for example, one of our clients or someone who's thinking about this issue of, you know, you're in the air transportation business or related transportation business that might impact the impact by the FAA bill, do you wait? Do you involve? Do you engage? What do you do in this situation when you have this kind of unknown Congress, but you actually have some interesting people who are the players now that are kind of aviation nuts, uh, which is great. Uh, I mean, even Ted Cruz, I think he's big into space issues and part of aviation is space. So Jeff or Kate? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, the time to engage is now. Uh, the, the committees are already well underway with their work and, and they're still you know, meeting with people and hearing people out. Um, I think it's also a really good time to think a little bit outside the box. We've had some significant shifts in aviation funding at the federal level uh, in the last several big bills that we've done, whether it was the the bipartisan infrastructure law or before that, the previous FAA bill that was passed in 2018 that you referenced, Senator Baggage. Uh, We've expanded funding into workforce development, uh, both uh, for the pilot situation, the pilot shortage, whether you agree there's a pilot shortage or not, many people think there is one, um, and the shortage of workers that can do maintenance and other work at airports. You know, we have a really tight labor force right now, uh, record low unemployment, and aviation is one of the places that's really hurting. And when a lot of times when you're experiencing delays at the airport, it's often staffing is at the heart of some of those problems. But, uh, you know, whether it's Congress looking in recent bills to fund more workforce development priorities in these bills for the first time, or in the infrastructure bills, funding terminal improvements for the first time. Typically, all the federal funding has been for for safety and security, whether it's at the FAA or the TSA. And in the past, the the terminal sorts of funding had to come from the passenger facility charge on each ticket or from state and local revenue streams. Uh, But now the federal government's getting into funding terminals. And so at this time, when the aviation legislation is passing through Congress is is delving into new areas, it certainly creates a lot of opportunity for stakeholders. So really, uh, Kate, from our perspective, and I think from a Brownstein perspective or a client that's out there, focus now, don't don't twiddle your thumbs, don't think, well, we'll wait to hear more. Is that kind of the same thoughts that you have on this? Definitely. I mean, you know, the date we're all watching is September 30th. Um, theoretically, we should have a, a negotiated bipartisan bill that will have the administration support by then. But uh, I think you're an optimistic, <laughs> you're an optimistic person, Kate, and we love that. About I, you, I but... try. <laughs> uh, we all know Congress, uh, number one, doesn't always meet its deadlines. Um, and number two, and probably most important here, will not act too much ahead of the deadline. But that being said, Right now, you know, there's a lot of conversations happening on personal office, committee offices, and then industry wide on what to be pushing for the to be included in the bill now. So folks who are interested in any priorities need to start the conversations and um, get their foot in the door at the very least. You know, if we don't make it, if we don't have something ready uh, September 30th, which, you know, again, unclear that we'll be there. You need to be be ready to jump at whatever opportunities there could be later this year, because in some capacity, you know, something needs to get done. If we don't reauthorize the FAA, I think uh, we can all agree that would be a large issue. Yep, especially moving into the holiday season of flight. <laughs> Definitely. And then the question becomes, you know, how large or skinny could the bill be 
Um, and the earlier you get in and have those conversations and explain priorities, the more likely you are to be included in any sort of moving vehicle. So it's a, it's a good time for folks to start those conversations in a really meaningful way, because we also know that when Congress is considering legislation, especially a must-pass piece of legislation, uh, it becomes a Christmas tree of sorts. And you want to get on that Christmas tree earlier than later to ensure you stay on. I was uh, actually in a room of about 50 transportation lobbyists yesterday, and there was a straw poll taken of who thought the FAA bill would get done by September 30. And I'll admit there were only about two or three hands that went up. But there was then a question asked, will it get done by sometime in 2024? And almost every single person thought that it would. So um, no time like the present to engage. This certainly could get done by September, but I think there's a very high likelihood that it's going to get done and, and probably before the next general election. Jeff, let me ask you a question. You said something earlier about kind of the urban versus rural component. And, you know, I noticed on the makeup, uh, especially on the house side, to some degree, a little bit on the the house side, it's a very, it tips a little bit to the rural. What's your thoughts around that? And then, you know, Kate, I want to get your thoughts around kind of some of the issues we're starting to hear on service delays and customer service issues and kind of what are how oh, that's going to impact this bill, but Jeff? Yeah, it creates an interesting tension uh, because you have, you know, the big airlines and the big airports and the big municipalities, um, and they have real needs, real funding needs, real needs around allocating slots at, at, at airports. Um, those are really big ticket, important things that affect a lot of people. And then you've got um, a, a Republican party that's pretty dominated by uh, members that hail from rural districts, and they want to make sure that things like essential air service and some of the other programs that are out there to preserve our our smaller, uh, more rural airports uh, get their share of the pie. And, and there is a limited pie to some extent, and there always is a fight between uh, you know the big hub airports and 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 the smaller, more rural interests. So that's going to have to play itself out, and that that is going to create uh, a lot of where the politics in this can get challenging. A good example of that balance, I just think about, you know, my home state I represented, you know, Gillingham, Alaska, way out in the western part of Alaska, a few thousand people about there, but airport important. Then you go to a big city like Denver, tens of thousands of people on a daily basis and commerce from cargo to passenger. It's just an interesting dynamic and how do you balance those with the bill? So it's a, it's a very good point. Kate? You know, I'm sure when Jeff was in the administration, he heard it as much as the current administration. Customers always have something to say. And we have, you know, millions of what I like to say, engineers of aviation. They fly every day in the passenger seats. How does that play into this bill at some point? Definitely. I mean, those are the folks that the the members uh, are hearing from uh, and we're seeing in the news constantly. So, you know, ranging from service delays to customer service issues, safety is always at the top of mind, both for, you know, the customers, but also employees uh, on the ground and in the air of the airlines. And I think, you know, taking a step back and looking at what what the FAA covers is really a larger impact on the nation's economy and then the global economy too, when we're talking about travel and tourism coming back in. And post-COVID, we've seen a number of issues in the aviation world, ranging from uh, regional issues related to storms, safety issues. It kind of runs the gambit. And this bill is an opportunity to either enact new policy or perhaps 
an opportunity for Congress to remind FAA of what they're currently authorized to do and kind of put another flag out there for them to ensure that they're operating in the most impactful way for the country. I think the pilot's point that Jeff touched on is a big one and a larger staffing issue that I think, you know, various industries uh, in the country continue to see uh, and something that the both Congress and both chambers and then the administration and the FAA are figuring out how to address. I think that this bill is uh, timed in a way that hopefully they'll be able to tee it up and we'll see over the next five years a positive impact on that. But, you know, again, the, the other issues that they're taking a look at include new technologies. So whether we're talking about drones, space, some foreign policy aspects, it really runs the gambit. And this bill is a big opportunity for the U.S. to remain not only a market leader in um, aviation, but a, a technology leader, too. Hey, let me uh, just ask one quick, I'll jump to you, Jeff, in just two seconds. And that is this uh, issue of, OK, five years has passed. I mean, part of what Congress will do, especially uh, in the hearings, they'll drag FAA in front of them and then they'll say, OK, we told you five years ago, do X, Y, Z. Why haven't you done it? So it's also and you kind of said it, I, I'll be a little more blunt. It's the way that uh, legislative body can put the screws more toward FAA when they're not performing in certain areas. Is that a fair statement? Do you think some of that will be looked at in this bill? Yes, I think it's definitely it's a it's a kind of a formal check in that we may see in our workplaces <laughs> that it's an opportunity for Congress to do with the FAA. And Jeff, you've probably experienced it in a larger way too. I was going to say Jeff probably was like, "Oh my gosh, we got to <laughs> get this done because we got a hearing in three hours." So Jeff, what's your uh, feedback on that? You know, it's funny as we sit here recording. I think the FAA uh, acting administrator is testifying before the Senate right now, and I'm sure he's having a a whale of a time, but you know, <laughs> uh, there is a lot of frustration in Congress that the FAA hasn't moved faster I, I, on a number of things. Um, uh, drones probably is the one uh, yep. that they get the most criticism for, for a lot of members that want to realize that potential. You know, I'll, I'll take up uh, for the FAA for once uh, here. I, it, <laughs> everybody likes to attack them. They are, they are the gold standard of safety. Yes. Uh, we, we have one knock on wood uh, fatality on a commercial aircraft in the U.S. in the last 15 years. Um, and so, you know, the, the airlines are committed to safety. The airlines are committed not to competing with each other on safety. And they've created a culture that it, it's the safest way to travel. And it's not close. Um, and, and so the FAA is slow. And boy, did it frustrate the heck out of me when I was chief of staff uh, at DOT. I wanted them to move faster. But, you know, when you look at a safety regulator like that uh, and, and their track record, uh, even though we've had some recent runway incursions and other incidents, uh, everybody's walked away from those um, pretty much intact. So they, they do a good good job. I think the other interesting aspect of this bill is actually not in the FAA. It's actually in the DOT general counsel's office are some of the rules around consumer protections, whether it's things like uh, rules around charging fees for families to sit together, uh, fee disclosures, things like that, that uh, there's a lot of members, especially on the Democratic side, that want greater stringency and greater transparency around those things. And I think the challenge that comes with that is that uh, there's a cost that can come with that. And, and people are equally as sensitive to safety and consumer protections as they are price. And so th that's why those issues get a little bit thorny as well. And I guess to add to that, Jeff, it's also disclosure of pricing. This is becoming an issue. And I know there's some good airlines out there that are leaders on this right now, trying to make sure they got good disclosure uh, because the public wants to know 
you know, if I'm going to do X and I get that, you know, bill for my airline ticket, it's not only 14 things underneath it. I think there's some good airlines that are now stepping up and working cooperatively with the FA to, to make sure consumers are well informed of the price of their product. And I think we'll see more of that probably. I do. And to your point, there are some big airlines that do a really good job of that. And there's some others that, 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 that are, don't do as well. And I think, uh, that seems like one that's relatively easy to fix without much of a cost. Uh, but that's there are right. other things around, you know, policies around oversold planes. And as I referenced, families sitting together, those actually can have a material impact on the cost of the airline. And so you can have a better consumer experience via them, but you're just going to have to pay a little more for your ticket. Let me ask you, I know we're getting close to time here. And the last issue is one I know I worked on when I was in the Senate with Senator Thune. It's on the unmanned aircraft drones. You both mentioned it. This is kind of new technology, and we're seeing the impact of it on a national scale, but on the international scale with the war in Ukraine and how drones and unmanned aircraft becoming really the force to be reckoned with. And the U.S., is really in many ways a technology leader in this area. And I know we in Brownstein work with a lot of folks in this field. And But FAA is a, is a part of that because you have to do testing, you have to have line of sight issues, you have to have all these things that in order to perfect this equipment and technology in order to use not like domestic and international. Do you think in, in thinking of, you know, the current ranking member and a couple other members on there, do you think there will be a bigger push to get more active in the regulation rulemaking around this, Jeff or Kate? Yeah, there will be. Um, you know, they've already pushed a lot, and, and there are a lot of things that have been in previous bills that, to our earlier points, the FAA just hasn't made as much progress as members would like. But I expect the members to only double their efforts to to push them a little bit further, um, because I think there's a, a lot of um, interest in the space. I think the technology is pretty mature. Uh, right now, you know, you, when you look at something comparatively like autonomous vehicles, they still have quite a ways to go to get to kind of full, fully autonomous. But on, on drones, you've got some some amazing technology out there that, that, that seems to be really safe. I think that uh, the FAA, again, is just very careful and they're worried about interference with planes or power lines or other things. And so they're 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 trying to be very, very thoughtful about that. But it is something they spend a great deal of time on. Pete, any last thoughts on that? I know I always look at the issue of line of sight. That's a big issue with uh, drones because sooner or later you have to have, you can't always have it in line of sight if you want to have a successful unmanned aircraft industry, but it's a conflict with the big airlines and others. No, I agree. I agree with that. And I think, you know, Jeff touched on it, but the technology is in a different place than it was five years ago. It continues to advance. Our supply chains are in a different place than they were five years ago. Um, I also think we're, we're moving towards an autonomous world in a lot of ways in different sectors. So for the country and especially remote regions, but also the cities where we're seeing more drones being used for kind of daily mundane tasks, I think that this is a time for Congress to start addressing the issue as it sees fit. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of push-pull with industry uh, across the board and with the agencies too. But, you know, we need to start it now because this is going to be some drones are going to be around uh, for the foreseeable future. So we need to engage. This is the big question of the day. And I heard it a little bit at the beginning. So we'll end on this note. And that is, so you both get uh, an option. You're going to Vegas. You're about to bet a big pile of money. And the question is, is there a full bill in 2023, and it could be skinny or fat bill for FAA, or is it 2024? And 
I have a feeling I know where Jeff's betting. So let me ask Jeff first. Sure. Um, I, yeah, my money is on a, a big bill that gets done in the spring, summer of 2024. I think uh, a lot of things come to, to a head in September um, and in the summer, whether it's the debt limit or uh, a possible government shutdown. I just don't think there's enough oxygen in the room to, to drag a big bill like this across the finish line then. But I do think there's too many people that want to get this done that it won't get done sometime in 2024. Well, see, the difference now, Kate, is optimism is great, but betting online is a different story. So what do you think? Um, I, I agree with the 2024. I think Jeff's <laughs> spot on. We're, we're going to see a debt limit come to a head. We're going to see appropriations. If we see a government shutdown, which is, in my opinion, likely as well, we will have uh, some political issues in Congress and there won't be the bandwidth, uh, at least on the staff or member level, to have these negotiations. And this is a bill that, you know, it does find bipartisan support. So there's there's a, a pathway there, but I think it's going to be delayed. And I do think since it, there are a lot of items to address, we won't see just a skinny bill to get it off of folks' desks. We'll see the real deal uh, next year at some point. But the most important thing is, from our viewpoint, I think we've collectively agreed that people need to think about this today, not in the fall. And they got to be working on it because you never know in Congress, as I like to say, Every week is a lifetime in Congress. And so you don't know how many lifetimes will pass you before you realize you missed the boat. So it's important to be part of it. Again, from the Brownstein uh, podcast group here, we're very appreciative of the folks listening. And again, thank my guests, Jeff Burr and Kate Gonzalez, for being part of this. And again, please stay tuned for more of our podcasts. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.